it's as if you went to a party and everybody there was speaking a different language. And then all of a sudden you hear in, in the distance somebody speaking English. You run to the person that speaks English and say, oh my God, can you understand me? Can you understand me? And then you have a conversation with them. And I feel like for me, that is sometimes what happens if there's a spirit that needs to communicate, it will find me because it can recognize that I see it. Welcome to Mysterious World, episode number 25. Today, I talk to Dr. Katie T. Larson about what it's like to be a highly sensitive person, seeing ghosts and spirits, and phenomenology. Hey, fun seekers, bienvenue, willkommen, welcome to Mysterious World. I'm Stuart Palm, and today I have a lovely episode where we cover all kinds of topics, including seeing ghosts, phenomenology, being clairvoyant, and uh, being a highly sensitive person. Today we talk to Dr. Katie T. Larson, a friend of mine. I met Katie probably six or seven years ago here in Hong Kong, and uh, we quickly noticed that we had a lot in common, that we we had experiences and shared that we had experiences of seeing the unseen that we might not be at that point so uh, willing to tell other people about. And her experiences go beyond mine in some ways. She sees spirits in a way that I do have not, uh, I don't regularly have. Uh, to a degree that I don't regularly have. And um, I find it fascinating. Her stories are great, and I'm looking forward to sharing those with you. There's going to be two episodes with Katie T. Larson, Dr. Larson. And uh, so this is the first of the two. Um, before we begin, before we jump down that rabbit hole, before we start talking about being sensitive and uh, so on, uh, I'm going to begin today with our moment of silence, our reflection, our meditation. And uh, that, that's just a thing we do here at Mysterious World. So um, let being that this is an episode about ghosts and spirits, I want you to focus on positive people from your life who have passed on and, and focus your mind for a few moments on the gratitude you have for the experiences that they gave you, for the remembrance of them and uh, the love that you have for those people. And we're just going to take a few moments to listen to some funky music and uh, put our hearts into thanks and gratitude for those loved ones that we have lost.
Amen. So mote it be. So Katie T. Larson and I, Dr. Katie T. Larson and I, talk a bit about being a highly sensitive person. And uh, those are the words she frames that in. And I like those words. That is a, a, a good way to explain an experience. I think probably a lot of people that would be drawn to this podcast would have. And that is the experience of being open, being um, creative, being imaginative, being empathetic. You know you're a highly sensitive person. As soon as I probably say those words, you know it because as a child and all through your life, people that are closest to you have said to you at some point, you're too sensitive. I know I've heard that hundreds of times before in different frames, in different ways. And I reject it now. I mean, I know that I'm very sensitive and I know how to handle that to a degree, um, but I don't think it's too much. I think I'm just different. And I think that a lot of you probably are as well. You're just different and you're more sensitive to things that other people push down or don't see. And part of that sensitivity, at least for me, is being empathetic, being an empath. And a lot of us who are empathetic or empaths end up in creative fields. Um, you know, from a very young age, I was I was studying art. I was I was in that world. For me, um, people in pain are very. I can feel it. I feel the things they feel. I feel when someone's down, it affects me. When someone is hurt, it affects me. I can feel the pain they feel. And there's varying levels of, of that, I think, throughout the world of highly sensitive people. And another thing that's common for us is that we see the unseen. When I was a child, I had imaginary friends. I was characterized very quickly as imaginative. I came from an artistic family, so that was a place where it was accepted. So I'm lucky in that sense. Uh, but I even had an imaginary friend that I named Casper, who I, I, I know I experienced him a lot. And to me, in my memory, he was somehow a young adult character. But because he was sort of this translucent being that other people didn't see, I, I'm pretty sure I named him Casper because that's that's where I had seen that in pop culture. Because the way that pop culture now and the TV culture, the TV world frames things is going to be the accepted framework that it's easy for people to see and, and uh, relate to who don't have these experiences. Um, I was very happy as a child and I, I was only five years old when I had this experience. Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? Have you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Professionals. Is a mixture of of this movie, this amazing movie, Ghostbusters, and being exposed to Ouija boards and things around five years old that allowed me to feel comfort in the fact that these things were experienced by other people too. That other people could sense presences that uh, were unseen, could see things that might not be there for everyone, uh, that the imagination was important and positive. Now, pop culture, movies, stories, generally characterize ghosts and spirits as negative things. And I know people who sense the spirit world and are very connected with that who also 
apply these connotations, these negative connotations, as though they need to be get they need to get away from the spirit world. And I reject that. I disagree. Everything that I've experienced that that is in that realm has been positive and helpful and helped me grow. Seeing and experiencing my own lost relatives, dreams that connect with that realm, experiencing the recovery period from brain surgery, all the parts that, that were highly spiritual moments in my life, they were positive things. I don't think that ghosts are demons. I don't think that the bad ghosts need to be so worried about in the Ouija culture that exists now online. You don't have to throw your board away. You connect with your own inner guides. That's what that does. Similarly to a pendulum. You can find your inner guides. You can find your way into the spirit realm and, and connect with it through these practices. Uh, shameless plug, if you'd like to learn more about connecting with your unconscious through a pendulum, I wrote a book on about it, uh, a book about it called uh, Beginner Pendulum Magic. And you can find that on all the places you find books. Or you can just look on my website and find the link at stuartpalm.com or at mysteriousworldpodcast.com. Um, open your mind to the unseen. That's that's the basic message I have for you on those levels. And uh, I, I think I, I love that what I have today, that, that the interview that I have for you, is with a person who lives and works in academia. She has a PhD. She is respected. Um, and I applaud her for her bravery of coming out as part of the psychic community, part of the, she might not use that word, but part of the world of people who are highly sensitive who experience these things. Because the scientific community does not, by and large, accept them. They, they take a very capital S skeptic approach and perspective on spirits, the unconscious, meditation, hypnosis, any anything that uh, goes outside of materialistic viewpoints is questioned. And I think it will always be because you can't disprove or prove it. It doesn't work that way. If you want to hear more about that perspective, look at my uh, conversation with James Tripp. We have a very good conversation about um, magic and why you don't look at it scientifically. So uh, going back to Ghostbusters, Dan Aykroyd grew up as a spiritualist, and that's part of how that movie was born in his understanding and knowledge of those realms and worlds. I've recently watched a lecture from the uh, the Rhine Center um, about what we know and evidence we have for the existence of these things and the evidence, there's lots of it. So if you look into that, you will find amazing things. But right now, let's look at my conversation with Dr. Katie T. Larson. One thing that I have always had the ability to do from a very young age, and that's interesting that you mentioned you find a relationship between elves and astral travel and ghosts and things like that, is I have an ability to sense and even see in a clairvoyant way 
um, invisible energies that are not visible to the normal naked eye. The way I see them is usually in my third eye, which would almost be like, um, remember when we were kids and we used to have those like tracing papers that you would put over something and then you would draw it over a pencil and then, and then you would take the tracing paper off and you could see the item. It's the third eye for me is almost like putting the tracing paper over my imagination and I can see everything almost like a layer of these entities, these, these different spiritual vibrations, like whatever we're calling it, I can see that. So um, I've seen different experiences in different places, but I kind of recognize that when I see a ghost, I see two different things. One is just, in my opinion, just trapped energy. So meaning I, I recognize when there has been a repeated, probably emotional as well, a repeated emotional energy in an environment. But if it has been repeated over and over and over again, I can see that repetition um, as if it's real. And I'll give an example of that in a moment. But the other way that I see ghosts is more embodied into the um, actual characteristics of a person that probably lived or either in the past or in the future. It seems like most of the time I see somebody that's from the past and I'll give an example of that as well. But I, I can tell in, in my own body, which one is which, right? Mm -hmm. So the first one I'll describe is like when I see, when I see a repeated energy that's trapped, an example that I have from Hong Kong actually is uh, there's a place, if you're listening to this and you live in Hong Kong, there's a place in Saing Poon that I used to volunteer at. And I will tell you where it is um, at the end because I think most people will, will be familiar with it. But I used to volunteer in this beautiful building. And every time I would arrive in this building, I would see in my third eye um, two distinct characters, but almost like energies repeatedly. One of them was... Um, people being pushed in old-timey uh, wheelchairs, you know, those ones that are more like almost like a wicker chair with like a big, big yep. wheel. They're not, the, they're not the modern ones, but they're like old-timey wheelchairs. I would see people being pushed up and down these outside corridors, and I would just see that over and over and over again. Nobody spoke. Nobody wanted to get in touch with me. Nobody wanted to say anything. It was just an energy that I could see, and it was something I could not unsee right like each time I would go there I would really pick up on that energy and the other one that I would see consistently was um, uniformed Asian men and inside of me I didn't feel like they were Hong Kong men um, they felt um, more not sinister but um, like just different right yeah. And so I had worked there for maybe two to three months. And every time I would go there, I'd see these things. And finally, I just asked somebody, you know, hey, what did this building, what was this building before? And they said, oh, oh, it's, um, it's always been like a sanitarium. Um, but during World War II, it was where the Japanese occupied it. And they used it as a post. And I just like my whole body just, you know, lit up with, validation of I can't believe that that's what I've been seeing all this time it's this same building on yep. high street in Hong Kong 
that is now, you know, several different offices, including where I volunteered, and I was still picking up on something from, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago that was a re repeated energy there. And do, do you think that the, um, the patients and the officers were from different times? Yes. Yeah. I do. I don't think they were related. In fact, I think the patients almost were older, right? Like it's like the, the dress and the style and like the, I don't know, just there's a, a vibration almost that I pick up on that it just feels older. Similar right. to the vibration of that is not a Hong Kong person, you know, like that's a, that's an Asian person. And I know sometimes, you know, <laughs> somebody of different race, you say they all look the same, but it's like, it's a feeling um, of that's a different, that is a different Asian um, ethnicity. And when they said, oh, it was occupied by the Japanese, I thought, oh, wow, this is just, you know, um, a really nice validation to this skill set that I was born with. Yeah. And then the second, the second example, um, I think of one of the best ghost stories that I have, and I'll try to be brief with it, but you can ask me lots of questions is, you know, I, I am not necessarily quote unquote, out of the closet for these abilities with everyone in my life, right? <laughs> like, I think you and I, um, we've bonded, we know each other personally, and we've bonded over this, you know, instantly, because we were excited to be able to share our weirdness with one another. Totally. But you know, I am only now coming out of the closet with some of the people I'm closest with. And that process started with my family in um, maybe about five years ago. And, and it was just hilarious because they couldn't deny it anymore that I had this skill set. And that was when my, um, my family and my husband's family um, and my husband and I shared a house in the United States in the state of New Hampshire because I was going to defend my dissertation that weekend and I invited all of the families into this house to um, kind of like, you know, bond. It was around Halloween time. We were going to just all, you know, have, have some time together because we were traveling in from Hong Kong for me to defend my dissertation. And so, you know, here I am going to be this very esteemed and established academic, you know, I'm going to wear my mortar board and I'm going to be given one of the highest honors of education of logic and ration and reason, right? And that night, when we arrived at this house, um, this house was built in the late 17, I don't know, the late 1700s, but on the cusp of the 1800s, but it was still in the 1700s. And when I walked into this house, I could just, I knew immediately that it was haunted, but I knew that this haunting was not a trapped energy like the one I just described, but it was actually a spirit. Mm -hmm. And my family you know, when we walked in the door, made a joke saying, oh, Katie, is there a ghost in here? And I said, yeah. And he has a mustache and he's about this high and has got salt and pepper gray hair. And they were like, oh, you're so, your imagination is this, this, and this, right? As they, as they generally do. <laughs> right. And so I just allowed that energy to kind of pick up on my energy. And, you know, I kind of, I reckon ghosts sometimes that find people like me to it's as if you went to a party and everybody there was speaking a different language and then all of a sudden you hear in in the distance somebody speaking English you run to the person that speaks English and say oh my god can you understand me can you understand me and then you have a conversation with them right and I feel like for me 
that is sometimes what happens if there's a spirit that needs to communicate, it will find me because it can recognize that I see it, right? Yeah. So back to the story, we are in the kitchen, we are talking, we are getting ready for dinner, and there is a door that cannot be opened unless you are opening it from the front, right? Like it has a lever and you have to be able to pull the lever up in order for the door to open. There's absolutely zero ways that this can open. It can't be open from a draft. It can't be open any other way. And it goes into the basement and we're sitting there talking and this door just opens on its own. And then everybody Great. starts laughing and they say, oh, it's the ghost, huh? I go, yeah, it's the ghost. He's just saying he's here. He's not, you know, a dangerous ghost. He's just saying he's here. And everybody laughs. They close it, make sure the lever's down, and they pull it laughing. Okay, there's no way the ghost is going to come out this time. And then, you know, 20 seconds later, it opens again. And everyone laughs. And they said, oh, this ghost oh, sounds like a playful ghost. Well, that night, I went to sleep. And in the middle of the night, I woke up to a ghost caressing my thigh. And I'm thinking, it's the ghost. It's the same ghost. It's this, this mustached man. And I look at him and I send this like telepathic message of, no, <laughs> you cannot touch me. You cannot touch me. And he kind of like dissipates. And like, I'm still kind of nervous at this point. Like, okay, really? Like this is going to happen to me all night. But luckily he didn't touch me again. I fell back asleep. And I told my husband about it the next day and he was laughing, like joking in the air, like ghost, you better not touch my wife. You better not touch my wife. But sure enough, the next night when we slept, some point in the night, I woke up and I noticed that the ghost was over my husband's shoulder. And I was like, oh, thank God he's not over my shoulder. And I just kind of fell asleep. But then 30 minutes later, my husband woke me up, shaking me in the bed saying, oh my God, oh my God, do you see it? The ghost, it's here, I can see it. I go, yeah, it's over your right shoulder. He said, how did you know? How did you know? So not only did I see it, but my husband saw it. So now there's like more belief, right? In this, in this house of my husband saw it and my families are still a little bit, you know, unsure. But sure enough, I continue to see this ghost. Has he ever seen a spirit before not or really. had that any? No, not really. And that's the interesting thing is that I think after years of being with me, who can experience this, I think he's become more open to it. And as a result, now he's the person in the room that also speaks that language, right? right. So he is becoming more open. But the, the way that this, this whole experience culminates is... Um, the, like the groundskeeper knocks on our door one day and he says, oh, how's it going in the, in the house? Is everything okay? Do you guys need anything? And I just jokingly said, oh, we're having a great time with the ghost. And he says, oh, that's just Benji. Don't mind him. He won't harm you. Mostly likes the ladies. And said, <laughs> what does he look like? And I said, oh, tall about this tall he's got gray hair a mustache i don't know from like the 1800s or so and i was like this is everything that i needed to just validate this is a skill set that i have and luckily my family heard the whole thing and they looked at me and they said what is happening but it was that coming out of the closet of wow she's not crazy this is a real experience and she's picking up on something that we can't see right Awesome. So what, what did that change in your dynamic with them? Well, 
I do find they take me a little, they give me a little bit more credibility when I'm able to describe the invisible or the mysterious, or I'm able to express something as a result of being a highly sensitive person and clairvoyant and into it, you know, like they will listen to me a little bit more rather than roll their eyes and say, that's just Katie, you know, that's just Katie. And I think they now will listen and give a mm -hmm. little bit more credence to that. So I recently came out of the closet as psychic, actually a few years ago now. But I'm not a medium. Obviously, I'm an extra large. When I, um, when I go on stage, when I perform at a comedy club, this is how I open my comedy set. Uh, and it's stupid, <laughs> but it works. And people do laugh, amazingly. It's amazing to me how much these kinds of experiences that Katie is talking about need to be um, pushed down, that, that people spend a lot of time keeping this to themselves so they don't have to deal with the disbelief and the, um, the shun of society for having experiences that you can't prove that other people may or may not uh, have any relation to. They don't understand. I have a a deep love for, for the fringe people in the world. And that probably started with, with the love that I have for my aunt and uncle, uh, my dad's brother and sister, who both have passed on. And so those are people who are part of my altar for my ancestors and, and my relation to the spirit world now. They are some of my guides. When I was five years old, it was my uncle who took me to see Ghostbusters. And uh, for the first time, uh, first two times, I'll explain what I mean by that. I think I saw it maybe three, maybe three, three at least. I know it was three times at least, but maybe even more in the theater when it came out. And it's funny to me now looking back at it, how young I was uh, when that hit the theaters. The, um, the first time I saw it, we were late for the film. And I think my uncle felt bad about that. We arrived after the Ghostbusters characters were already planning to buy their uh, firehouse and so on. And so they'd already had the the ESP scene from the very beginning with Dan Aykroyd uh, and, and establishing his character and the scene where they meet each other at the library and you have the ghost that goes, shh. And uh, when Dan Aykroyd says, get her, becomes a big gory monster, which is that gory monster character is only something that, that exists in imagination. That is a human imagination thing as far as I know. That is fear of death. Um, and, and, and that is fear incarnate. And that's the only part of the movie that scared me. And the way I saw that is funny. Uh, we watched the whole movie. We started <laughs> wherever it was, you know, wherever it was at that point. And we watched to the end, and then my uncle leaned over and said, just just stay there. And we sat there until they kind of cleaned up the theater, and then the movie started again. You know, more people came in and sat down, and, and we watched it a second time. 
And we did that so we could see the beginning. And the, the scariest part for me was that ghost going, shh, turning into a big scary monster. I had not expected it. I know that the next time I watched the movie, which was with my family sitting next to my mother, I held her handbag in front of my eyes for that part because I knew it was coming and I was scared of it, scared of that dark demon figure of a ghost. And really, those are the those are the scenes of death that we don't need that that may help us to avoid harm within ourselves, but in our path and rebirth in life or whatever you believe, we need to let go of that dark stuff and see that spirits are not there. I don't think they're to be feared. I think they're to be wondered about and and loved our own memories. Um, don't let go of those people that are important. There's no need. And don't wallow in, and uh, there's no need to be full of grief. Grieve and move on and love them is uh, my perspective on it. Keep the memories alive. So uh, let's go back to talking to Katie D. Larson and how she became um, and what it's like to have become Dr. Katie D. Larson. So you now have a PhD. Correct. <laughs> in ghost hunting. No, my PhD no. is in something called transformative learning. How does this ability sit within that world for you? Like, are you still closeted to academia? Yes and no. I think, luckily, this, the, the concept that I studied, and, you know, interestingly, I'll just give a little bit more background on, on what I used to study, um, which is, you know, I'm a lover of nature. I'm a lover of the bigger, bigger world. I love macrobiology. And so my first two degrees is actually in science. Um, I was a science teacher for seven years, and I used to teach physics, chemistry, and biology. And then I have a master's degree in biology. And um, so I have a very good, thorough understanding and appreciation for the scientific method and finding out things from a rational and measured and um, more logical and established way of understanding things. And I really love that foundation and it's really helpful. However, when I started to do my PhD, I started to study the things in our life that transform us and change our perspective of the world and change our perspective of ourselves. And lo and behold, when you begin to do this research, you have to use a methodology that I was unfamiliar with as a scientist, which is called phenomenology. Everybody mm. loves to say that word. Phenomenologically, word. yeah. So what is the phenomenological truth in this moment? And phenomenology is just the study of direct experience. And direct experience may or may not match up with established theories. In fact, it is the role of academics to then take the phenomenon and create grounded theory, which is a new theory of phenomenon, right? So what I was looking at was, what are these peak experiences that people have in their lives that change them? And some of them are real easy, 
you know, they go, they go along what, what I would call the horizontal dimension, which is like a day-to-day thing that happens to you. Something that's, you know, um, just a, a normal activity. The horizontal is, is everything that is visible. It is, you know, the goals you set and the achievements you have, the successes, etc. Some of those peak experiences were on that dimension for people, which was wonderful. But some of the, the experiences that people were having direct experience with were on the vertical dimension. And I, I will say that the vertical dimension comes in the north and the south uh, pole. And for me, the north represents all that is, the big picture, the universe, the divine, the sacred, the mystery, God, whatever you want to call it. But it's the thing that is that mysterious energy that kind of inhabits everything that we don't really understand, but we always have crazy words for it. And then the south um, dimension is these is all you are and your skill set and your gifts, what you were born, like me, I have a clairvoyance as a gift, um, a skill set of mine that I was born with. It's your soul. It's your purpose on this world. It's your, you know, really unique personal experiences. And so what I was, no- the reason I, I put these two things into these dimensions, what I was finding is that people have a really hard time describing and articulating the vertical dimension but it's the most life-changing one. Yeah. And that our, our peak, like it's funny because I love the play on words with peak of peak, P-E-A-K, of these peak experiences give us a peak, P-E-E-K, of into that, you know, you're lifting the veil. Yeah. You're touching the mysterious, you know. That's why you and I love talking about these things because we love our pockets of mysterious or our pockets of our abilities that emerge and then that influences your horizontal because then you make choices based on that that will influence your day-to-day life you know for me I'm coming out of the closet and the work that I do by actually using my intuition in, in my coaching but you know this um is in some academic circles widely valued and widely appreciated and widely researched. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I were to now go back to my master's degree and say, Hey, everyone in my science and and my biology uh, focused um, framework, materialistic. Yeah. The materialistic and the, the visible and the repeatable world, you know, let's study the influence of psychedelic. Well, psychedelics actually is getting gaining a lot more credibility. But you know, let's let's talk about astral travel. People <laughs> will say, right? You know, depending on the audience. Um, now, don't want to risk my reputation. So, for better or worse, my reputation in academia isn't rooted enough for me to fear coming out as somebody who has these skills. And I will say this, as someone who does identify with the vertical quite strongly and in my south which is my purpose my purpose is to bridge the gap right of bridging the gap between these two worlds of what you mentioned you know the material and the invisible being yeah. okay with that it's amazing to me how how hard it is for people to go there accept it open up to it i even i had a um, a meeting today with uh, some event company people and uh, they the meeting was on 
providing virtual experiences and virtual events. And I was just explaining all the things I've been doing. And one of the things I've been doing is running a meditation course for companies uh, over Zoom. And, and, and the response uh, from this guy was, um, well, we're, we're really looking for the entertainment side, which, which you know, I do. And, um, but, but I find that other stuff interesting. And I believe in it, but I don't know if our clients are going to. Right. Uh, yeah. And I'm you like, yes. I mean, I'm doing this for a law firm. It's not like meditation right. is, I'm not talking about ghosts and spirits. I mean, yes, I do love those things, but uh, meditation is meditation has been done in every culture yes. in the world forever. Call it doesn't it have to be yes. thought of as a uh, some sort of, overly left field create. I mean, it just was amazing to me that that was the perception of, of, of just even meditation. We weren't even getting into hypnosis and other things, but yeah. you know, people look at hypnosis as well as like, Oh, I believe in that. Like they, they're affirming to me. Yeah. Yeah. I believe in that. And I'm like, well, you don't need to do that. Cause it's not like to me, uh, I don't need the validation of your belief. Uh, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, I like your style actually, of using the entertainment as the entry point for a lot of people, because I reckon that people relax when they're being entertained enough to be open to this. And, you know, you, you kind of, and you kind of plant that seed in them of like, wow, if that's possible, what else is possible? And that's why I like the way that you have melded those two different modalities of your Well, I, I can't really take credit for it. It was an organic occurrence. I didn't plan yeah, it that way. I like it's that. just the way it works. Yeah, just like a comedian, you know, allows us to be, see the, the absurdity of life. I think that your role is you allow us a peek into the magic and wonder of life. And I like that about you. Well, I think that that's, always been a practice with humanity Mm -hmm. um when you look at ancient cultures the magicians are the spiritual leaders and when you look at descriptions of the things they would do i think they were mixing um what we might call practical magic or or um illusion Mm -hmm. with true experience because Mm -hmm. I do that, not while I'm working with a, well, actually even sometimes now when I'm working with a client because they, they enjoy it. But, um, you know, I'm not, it's not based in deception. The con, the, 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 the goal is not to deceive anyone. The goal is to, um, more clearly present something or give a metaphor or communicate in a way that's different from, you know, it's not going to help a person to say, yes, you need to love yourself. Yeah. That is the answer to what's going to help you because they're not going to, that's not going to help them love themselves. Right. But, but there are other ways and other things that will get it, get into their unconscious to deliver that message. Um, so yeah, I, I think that shamanistic culture, um, not just talking about the Mongolian and, and, uh, you know, where that word comes from, but, but magicians all, all over the world in all, tribal cultures um, use magic in both the ritualistic and 
Yeah. I, I, one way to the put it is magic with a K, but that, but I, yeah. I don't like, I don't like using there's that like either. There's like performative because... magic, and then there's almost ritualistic magic. Yeah, and and, they are and... similar, but they're just different enough in our intention as well, right? One right. is to entertain, and one is to explore the deeper meanings and to to name and experience that vertical dimension in my in my words, which is the mystery right? To get a peek at the mystery and to feel it in a very visceral way. And I, I know, you know, you and I have even worked together as um, in, in your mind, was it Mindscape that we did? Yeah, we did a Mindscape. Yeah, we did a Mindscape. And, you know, I really appreciated that session because for those of you listening who don't know that Stuart does Mindscape sessions, it allows you to create a mental landscape for your unconscious and what you're what you're experiencing, and as a clairvoyant, that was a very um, helpful experience for me because it really gave shape to some fascinating things that I had been mulling over and, and thinking about, and you know, really had been potent for me in my emotional life. But it gave it a, a visual, and I felt that was really helpful for me to to get Good. over some hurdles and blocks and things like this. So it was a it was a peak into this invisible force that was within me that I had to put into my mental um, capacity in order to solve it. I couldn't, I couldn't think my way or feel my way out of that. I needed to see it visually. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and what I like about mindscaping is you, you create, you allow the person to create their own symbols and metaphors. It's not enforced on you and it's not because that that's the problem I find in every time psychology or psychoanalysis tries to explain things is that you're working within the framework of the symbols and metaphors of, of that psychologist. Agreed. A hundred percent. Not everybody. I mean, you're, you're going to have wide varieties of what those symbols mean to different people. Um, there are some things that do become archetypal but even that has variance. So you just have to, you know, you need to work with what people, their own thing. Yes. And everybody, everybody heals differently. Yes. And we had that in common, actually, that, that mindset and that philosophy, because actually, interesting, my first coaching certificate was um, something called a creative depth coach through the Journey Path Institute. And what this is, is using your creative um, powers to understand the depth of your experience and the depth of your reality. And so one, one of the activities, some of the activities that I would do as a creative depth coach, and I still use with my clients today are, you know, creating your dictionary of symbols, because we all have, we all resonate with symbols differently, and they all mean something different to us. And so I usually start with the colors, and then we move on to the shapes, and then we move on to common symbols. But I'm allowing my clients to pick the symbols that they resonate with, and then just, you know, they create a translation, you know, in words of this is how this, this, is how this resonates with me. And it's fascinating to me how different those symbols are for everyone. Yeah. Right. Because for me, I can't stand the symbol of the eye, the, an eyeball. <laughs> I find it's very intrusive. I find it's got a negative connotation of someone watching me um, in a negative way. I don't enjoy it. 
But, yeah. you know, I have two or three clients that just use this I symbol as something that's so wise and that I feel really connected to. And this is the guides me is my third eye, etc. And, you know, it's really fun as a coach, too, because you have to then question your own presumptions of why do I hate this eye so much and then you have to like go deeper into yourself of like does it have to do with you know my current life is it a past life is it something I'm holding on from like generational lineage you know and it's fun because it's the depth part of the coaching is where is this relationship with this symbol coming from and yeah where does that where does story. that fear start is really what I would think yeah creates that question it's almost it sounds yeah. like a 1984 eye. I know and it's like, did I just at some point, you know, did I at a young age, um, you know, give meaning to these eyes, you know, like the back on the dollar bill, or like the greed of money, you know, or like the Illuminati or the occultic, uh, just the negative perception of this eye. Like I'm out of just, I'm just attached to that. Or is it something even deeper in my psyche that goes back, you know, farther into past lives or something? So sure. that is, it's been a fun one um, for me to see how people's symbols really r rule our lives. Yeah. What is, um, when, when you talk about the, the spirit encounters you've had, um, what, what, how, the way I understood the two stories you told um, is that the first one is an, an echo Yes. A reverberation of, of a, of not even, I wouldn't even call it a spirit or a ghost. No, well, it's a, a ghost in that it's a residual of something that was Yes. in a way. Um, but it's almost like it's stuck in a loop from something yes. that happened. I like that phrase echo. Yes. And the other one is a consciousness yes. spirit that is hanging around <laughs> yes uh how often do you encounter consciousness spirits that are hanging around once a year <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> yeah you know um it's not uh i would also reckon there have been in okay as a highly sensitive person something mm -hmm. that i have become familiar with is trying to protect my energy because I am quite empathic. I am picking up in the, in my surroundings and my environment all of the time. And while I love that, I've also been really conscious of putting more protective um, energies around me and to really like be more ritualistic about how I wake up in the morning and trying to like zip up my lotus flower, you know, to give myself a little protection during the day. And I think since doing that, I have seen less uh, rogue spirits, um, but I also before you before you go forward. Yeah, uh, uh, when you said zip up your lotus flower, you uh, like that? No, nobody's going to understand that. what that means. Uh, would you describe what that what you're talking about? Why well, I, I find there are different techniques that different people use mm -hmm. that help us protect our energies, and the one that I have found, and I've used so many. I have so many different ones I've tried in my life. And the one that has been working for me for the last few years is in the morning when I wake up, I imagine a light that's coming from my crown down to my feet. And as it goes through, it kind of connects in a rainbow, the chakras. Mm -hmm. And once that rainbow is all connected, 
I then take that visualization and I create almost like flower petals that are like around me. And what I do is I let them fold up into the bud of the lotus flower as almost like a protective barrier. Mm. And I'm still able to exist in the world in a very um, energetically attractive way. Like I still can't attract and, and feel the energies out in the world. But that little lotus flower imagery, like it really helps me be protected Right. Because just like we said before about, you know, you're going to go to the person in the room that speaks your language. I don't want everybody coming up to me saying, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? P.S. That is how I encountered an elf. So we can go into that story next. But <laughs> I, um, I, uh, that is the technique that I have been using. And since then, I think the encounters I've had with spirits have been really low. However, I will say when I was pregnant, there was a female ghost in my house who was very loving and very kind and was there during my whole pregnancy and was there at the beginning of my child's birth, but has yet, I have not seen her since. And so I, I think some spirits may or may not be attracted to the environment, but they are attracted to you. Yeah, and that I makes felt sense. Like that specific spirit was mine. It was a, it was a, you know, either a family member or a guardian or a uh, just a guide of some sort. And you know, even when I was pregnant, uh, or sorry, even when I had a newborn. Um, she would whisper very nicely in my ear, wake up. And then two seconds later, the baby would wake up. So it was like a very loving, kind, generous energy that was not trapped energy. It was more of a spirit, um, which I haven't seen since. My deepest gratitude to Dr. Katie T. Larson for joining us and telling her story and being so open. We will have her back on for part two of this conversation. It might be next week. It might be the week after. I might do another um, recording in between. Uh, that's what I've been doing. But but we might just jump right back into Katie. I'm not sure. Uh, depends on if I can get this, this other um, interview before then. Um, the next part, Katie gets into talking about psychedelics and other explorations into the unknown, and it gets kind of it gets cool. Uh, you'll like it. It's a good conversation. If you'd like to um, look into more of these things, uh, you can send us a message at mysteriousworldpodcast.com, uh, Third Sight Studio at gmail.com or you can connect on instagram uh at third site studio or at psychic entertainer you'll find me either place uh you can find my book on lulu or on amazon uh preferably you should look on lulu 
for Access Your Psychic Self Beginner Pendulum Magic. I also run meditation courses, and um, if you're in Hong Kong, come see me. Uh, well, actually, I can't tell you about that yet. But soon I'll be telling you about a new place where you can come see me perform mentalism and psychic entertainment. If you would like to, and yes, you should, connect with the world of uh, Katie T. Larson, uh, well, I'll just let her explain how to find her. GrowthQuest.com is one place to get in touch with you. Do you want to uh, tell everybody uh, sure. anything else? Like Instagram handle? Sure, sure. My Instagram handle is at Dr. Katie GrowthQuests. So you can follow me on Instagram. And then I have a Facebook page at the moment. That's, you know, Facebook. And is that, sorry, is that D-R-K-A-T-I-E Growth Correct. Yes. D-R-K-A-T-I-E Growth Quests. So Dr. Katie Growth Quest is my Instagram. And um, yeah, I have a Facebook page you can like and follow. It's just Growth Quests. And uh, yeah, I, I have a YouTube channel. Oh gosh, I just started my YouTube channel, which will continuously grow. But you know, I get this YouTube message today of like, you know, my first like, troll not troll but like somebody that's like commented on my video i was like wow this is amazing i'm already getting comments and it's like hi do you want to be friends <laughs> and i'm just well, like oh that was fast yeah that was fast yeah right it wasn't a selling one just yet it was a hi want to be friends and i'm like what that didn't take very long so mm -hmm. i am just now um you know, beginning my YouTube adventure, but expect more. If, if you see me on, on YouTube, it's um, unfold at growthquests.com. Cool. Thank you, Katie. That was my great. Pleasure. Thank you.
about rainbows and what's on the other side. Rainbows are visions, they're only illusions, and rainbows have nothing to hide. So we've been told and some choose to believe it, but I know they're wrong, wait and see. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. Who said that every wish would be heard and answered when wished on the morning star? Somebody thought of that, and someone believed it. And look what it's done so far. What's so amazing that keeps us stargazing? What so we think we might see? Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. Have you been fast asleep? And have you heard voices? I've heard them calling my name. Is this the sweet sound that calls the young sailors? The voice might be one in the same. I've heard it too many times to ignore it. It's something that I'm supposed to be. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. Lovers, dreamers, and me.